0: and look who's coming up.
1: Welcome to Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on this Wednesday, September 7th. Uh, so much going on just at this moment. Uh, you've got a terrific U.S. Open match. Uh, they're into the quarterfinals. you got some afternoon baseball happening right now. Twins and Yankees. The Yankees getting beat right now by a guy making his first ever start. Tomorrow is the beginning of... Of the National Football League season? I mean, who isn't excited about that? How can you not get excited about the uh, NFL season getting underway tomorrow? That's going to be just awesome. Simply awesome. All right, welcome into the marsh just outside of Edmonton. My name is Dean Millard uh, with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Check out the website uffsports.com. Lots to see, including our logo challenge, which is going on right now. Uh, really excited about today's show. Uh, we are just waiting to uh, hopefully bring on our first guest because uh, he is a busy, busy man. But uh, Matt Beauvais of WKBW in Buffalo, covering the Bills, who open the season tomorrow against the Rams. Also, Larry Fisher, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Head of Hockey massively into scouting on the platform as well. So we'll tell you a little bit about, you know, how you can get involved, the cool things about it. Uh, But also we're going to touch on a couple of signings in the NHL for some young players. One, an RFA in uh, Kirby Dock in Montreal, and Tim Stutzla signing an extension next year. Also, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Should we be taking this seriously? Larry's big into the fight game. He'll tell us if uh, if Jake Paul is for real or if not, and and he and he won't uh, he won't sugarcoat it at all. Chicago Blackhawks. We're not going to sugarcoat that. We're going to take a look at the Dauber Hockey preview. We should almost do one now and like one when we think all the trades are going to be made. And fill in the blank. A little bit later on in the program, we will uh, definitely have some fun with that one, Uh, you know, when it comes to fantasy and and other things as well. Plus, of course, our top three, our question of the day, and what games to watch. And there's some awesome games on right now in the afternoon. So I'm sure we'll find some fun ones to uh, take a look at later on this evening all right as we wait uh for our guests to sign in um, we might as well get to our question of the day and we can always watch uh, I'll be watching the uh, the back channel to see if uh, matt beauvais signs in but what one player will impact your fantasy football season the most is there one guy out there. Is it is it one position? Is it your quarterback? Is it your running back? Uh is it going to you know is it your receiver? Is there a receiver? Like Mike Evans is is on my fantasy team, the defending champion Brandon ball He might be the impact player for me depending on what him and Tom Brady get going could have a severe impact. Uh, you know, there's you know, there's other candidates obviously. But that's the one guy that that stands out as you know, putting up a ton of touchdowns. Javante Williams in Denver, a lot of people are going to be relying on him. And I have Tyreek Hill as well. Um, I don't expect the same output from Tyreek Hill. So we'll see. I'll go with Mike Evans for this question. Uh, Jalen Hurts is my quarterback, and I'm not worried about him, but I don't think... Uh, He's going to be among the lead leaders, whereas Mike Evans can be. And I'm in a touchdown-only league, so that's why I'm going with Mike Evans. But would love to hear your thoughts on that. One player that could have a massive impact in your fantasy football team. Everybody joining us in our Twitch message board, thank you so much uh, for being here today. Chime in and tell me where you're watching from. And let me know about your fantasy football, the one player that will have an impact on your fantasy football team the most this season. Like I said, for me, I'm going with Mike Evans. And I, you know what? I've, I used to be in like three football, three hockey. I've slimmed down. For one, I'm so busy with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports and my one hockey active team, in the, the te- team that's active in the league, our AHL will be launched this year. But I'm only in one football league. I'm only in one baseball league. I'm only in one hockey league. Concentrating. And I've been waiting lately, so I'm trying to, you know, be a professional. And that's what Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports is. Professional fantasy sports. Mirroring what the actual leagues uh, go with as well. So chime in on Twitch or on Twitter. At Duck Millard. At UFS Network if you want to touch base with me during the show. And uh, the question of the day, once again, is what one player will impact your fantasy football season the most? All right, let's keep rolling with our top three as we uh, wait for our guest, uh, Matt Beauvais, in Buffalo to sign on. Uh, Top three today, bounce back players. Now, every year, this could be a variety of names. There's a couple of names because they have been hurt that I think are going to, I think they're going to make this an interesting one. Christian McCaffrey, number one on my list. I mean, this guy has missed 23 games over the last two years Due to a permanent residence in the MASH unit. He's this 26 years old. Uh, He's dealt with ankle, shoulder, hamstring injuries. I mean, he kind of reminds me of the night in Monty Python. It's only a flesh wound. Still going. But yet. He was a fantasy beast. 2019, the number one running back in all scoring formats. He had over th- almost 1400 rushing, rushing yards and over 1000 receiving yards. He absolutely crushed uh the competition. It was it was no contest. 123 more points in half PPR leagues than the guy who was number 2 and that was Aaron Jones. The only player to score more points in fantasy that year was Lamar Jackson. And this year I think we're going to see him uh, back on top. All right. Uh, I am just going to get uh, the shot set up for our next guest here. I'm really excited about uh, Matt Beauvais joining us. Uh, so give me one second as I get this aligned. And we will be talking uh about uh the Buffalo Bills. I mean, is there a, a team that is more hyped right now? I, I don't think so. And and for certainly for, for good reason, uh for sure. All right. Let's, uh, first of all, turn on his mic and bring in our uh, guest. Uh, Matt Beauvais is joining us. Uh, Matt is uh, the sports director at WKBW in Buffalo. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. I know it's a crazy busy time for you, so you just let me know when you need to get out. But uh, so much hype outside of Buffalo right now. I cannot imagine... What the hype is in Buffalo when it comes to guys like Josh Allen, uh, whether it's fantasy or the real world. I mean, everybody's talking about Buffalo right now, outside of the fantasy, outside of Buffalo. What's it like in the city?
2: Well, it's insane. Everybody has the highest expectations that there has ever been in my lifetime surrounding this team. And rightfully so they're so good they're expected to contend for a super bowl it's really super bowl or bust this year and i think that's what has so many people going into the season excited but also terrified because with expectations like this we've never kind of seen it like that before so people are like okay super bowl or bust and it almost feels like anything short of that would be a massive disappointment so I think they're going to have an outstanding season. I think they're really, really strong. But I think more importantly, for the sake of the conversation here, they have tons of fantasy-relevant players, which is awesome, especially if you're somebody who plays fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I mean, this This really is uh, a fantasy football dream team when you look at the depth. And, and and the thing I find interesting, you look at last year, the top two quarterback wide receiver stacks, they're, they're gone. I mean, uh, yeah. Rodgers, Adams, gone. Uh, Mahomes, Hill, gone. That was, you know, statistically going into it. It's, uh, it's Allen Diggs as number one. How good do you think they can be? And you mentioned it. How hard is it going to be to live up to all these expectations that people have for this duo?
2: I think as far as the fantasy stacks are concerned, I actually like the Josh Allen-Gabe Davis stack far more Mm. than i like the Josh Allen-Stefan-Diggs stack. If you're going to do that, just because Diggs costs you such a premium in draft, if you're playing daily fantasy, he's such an expensive option. I am all in on the Gabe Davis hype train right now. I think he is going to have an outstanding season. And I think for the value, even though he is a really hot commodity in leagues, he is going to be worth it. His target share is going to go up. It's just the way that it is with Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley leaving. There's something like 160 targets that need to be accounted for. And I think a lot of those are going to go to him. So I love that stack. I still really like Stefan Diggs. Like if you're not gonna have the stack there and you can only have one of the people, Stefan Diggs might ultimately be the most valuable. But if you're looking to try and have multiple, I'm all in on Gabe Davis, especially if you can stack him with Josh Allen.
1: Uh, that's a really, really uh, great point because the, you know, the coverage inevitably is going to be weaker. It's like Allen Robinson uh, going to, he's got Cooper Cup on the other side, so everybody's loading up on Allen Robinson, so that's a really, really good point. Dawson Knox signs a four-year extension worth more than $53 million. Uh, this is a guy that fantasy football fans know had a massive amount of touchdowns last year, but not as many targets as some of the tight ends. He was up there in touchdown totals. Does that change this year, and does he assert himself as, you know, a top 5 tight end this year.
2: I don't think from fantasy standards he will become a top five tight end just because I do think the targets are going to go up, but I think the touchdown production is going to go down a little bit. So I think that ultimately you're going to kind of see some similar numbers, which are still fantasy relevant, but not anything like the likes of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, those kind of guys. So I think that if you're somebody who wants to wait on a tight end or if you're playing daily and you don't want to spend a premium for a tight end, he's a really strong matchup play depending on who the Bills are playing. Josh Allen loves him in the red zone though so that's why he has that boomer bust potential because there's going to be games when he probably brings in four catches but two of them are touchdowns and if you do that and you're playing them then you could win yourself a week or you could win yourselves a lot of money so i think that dawson knox is a really strong player i think his contract today kind of a no brainer for the bills they want Mm -hmm. him to be part of this team for a long long time but that's more of like the real football side of things than specifically the fantasy football side of things
1: it's not often we talk about a football team and fantasy perspective and get this far in the conversation before we talk about the running game. But, you know, we talked about Josh Allen, which is a big part of the running game. What should fantasy fans expect uh, out of this running game? Is it Could it be frustrating for them this year?
2: I wouldn't really probably buy stock in any of them. Um, I think Singletary will be your traditional starting running back. But as we kind of saw last year, they're totally fine riding the hot hand, whether that be Singletary, whether that be Zach Moss. A lot of people didn't know if Zach Moss was going to make the team. I think he's going to be like a role player on the team. I think he's going to probably get more carries than people expect. And then James Cook, there's so many questions about him. James Cook, if you're in like a dynasty league or if you're somebody who can keep a player, I like him as a late-round flyer just because Singletary's contract's up after this year. The Bills don't have the resources or the money to pay a running back, a premium amount. So – they'll probably let him walk, and then sit, and then Cook will ultimately become kind of the feature back. So I think if you're in it for, like, the long haul, I would want Cook of the three of them. But it, as far as this year's is concerned, like, I don't think they're going to be consistently startable, any of them. I think if they've got a really good matchup, or maybe if one of them goes down, that changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. But with all three of them likely getting playing time, it makes it a little bit trickier
1: uh defensively uh for people in IDP leagues or or looking at a defense and special teams to take uh you know who stands out from your eye on uh, on the Bills
2: well It's hard not to love Von Miller, but (laughs) I think that if you kind of go a little bit deeper and take a little bit of a deeper dive, I think Ed Oliver is just an absolute freak of nature. And I think Von Miller is going to kind of unlock him to the point we haven't seen him. Ed Oliver has been a really good player in the NFL and a really, really well-respected player. But his numbers don't make him one of the elite guys. I think this year, being next to Von Miller, his numbers could take a massive spike. He's an undersized defensive tackle. So everybody immediately compares him to Aaron Donald. And that's ludicrous. You can't do that. But there are some similarities to the way that they play. And Aaron Donald had a lot of success playing next to Von Miller. So if Ed Oliver can have half of the success, Mm -hmm. I bet the Bills will be pretty happy.
1: Matt, thank you so much. I know uh, this is a really busy time for you. So thanks for squeezing in some time. Enjoy the ride. It's going to be amazing.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me and enjoy the NFL season.
1: All right, we for sure will. There's uh, Matt Beauvais, uh, host of. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sounds like a really cool show. Uh, you can check out uh, his uh, Twitter handle uh, once again at Matt underscore uh, Beauvais, That's B-O-V-E. A great rundown, and and it's interesting. Like Dawson Knox last year in touchdowns only leagues was just as he was like a you know a top three tight end. He was so he had the same amount of touchdowns, but not the targets. I picked him up with uh, like a third round pick uh, in a in a dynasty league, um, so it was, I'm really I'm really excited to see you know what the production he can do, and I love that that comment that Matt made that you know the the overpayment for digs that that has happened, um, that could happen. Is something to, to watch. And when you look at that depth chart, Gabe Davis, what did Matt say? I'm all in on the Gabe Davis train. So if you can somehow, if you have digs and you can somehow get Gabe Davis and something else and something for days, you might be able to do that. That might be a smart trade to go after. Or if you somehow have a draft tonight, which would be awesome the night before the season or tomorrow, maybe move Gabe Davis up a little bit and, and Stefan digs down quite interesting conversation. Larry Fisher, super bowl or bust. No pressure. Bills mafia will be fun to watch for real. And Tony says bills are going to be fun to watch this year. Uh, Don Ewing. Hello. Hi, Don. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. I think the bills, the bills have been really fun. I mean, Jake Allen, he's a great quarterback. Uh, he's mobile. They have obviously excellent receivers. Uh, as Matt said, the running game, isn't that great so it's not really worth investing in but you know it's it's funny Duke Johnson was a guy who I thought was gonna stick there because of his out of the backfield catch patching ability but he did not all right Matt Beauvais WKBW in Buffalo I feel like Howard Stern that WNBC WKBW Bew in Buffalo. That was a great conversation with Matt. We'll try to get him on another time. Big thanks to uh, executive producer of our Twitch channel, Jamie Thomas, for lining up some of these awesome guests. And we're going to keep it going. Uh, Larry Fisher, later on in the show, can't wait to talk a little hockey, a little fighting, uh, and tell you how you can get involved in our scouting program. Also tomorrow, Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, scheduled to join us. As well, on Friday, tentatively have lined up Mike Wilner, former Jays play-by-play man, to get into a Jays lost. Tough one last night. Uh, But yeah, we've got some fun guests lined up for uh, the rest of this week. Uh, And Andy McNamara will join us every Thursday to set up the NFL Thursday Nighter, which you can watch on Twitch. This year, it's going to be so very, very cool. Oh, my good friend, Jack Cookson, sending me a beat L.A. That reminds me. Afternoon baseball, Dodgers-Giants right now. uh, Twins-Yankees. We'll get into all that as we go. All right. That was a really great conversation with Matt. And uh, we're going to have another fun one with Larry Fisher. Uh, Andy Mack says Larry in the house today. Yeah, he's going to be, not in studio. Uh, that, that'll that be fun. The first time we get in studio. Larry and I have so much in common. It's like we're twins separated by a bunch of years because there's there's so many things that are weird that we have in common. It's it's freaky. So we're going to talk with him a little bit later, but when we come back after this short commercial break, we're going to touch on our top three, which we didn't get to finish. We'll dive back into our question of the day. Here's the question of the day as we go to break. We'll let you know. You can think about it uh, while we're uh, getting refreshments. What one player will impact your fantasy football season the most? For me, it's Mike Evans in my touchdown-only league because he's a touchdown monster. Dawson Knox could be that guy because I don't care about if he gets two two targets and both of them are touchdowns. I love it. But he's, you know, I think Mike Evans is going to be among the touchdown leaders. I hope. I'm not confident about Tom Brady this year. I still think he can get Mike Evans to double digits, though. We'll see. What one player will impact your fantasy football season the most? Chime in, if you please, on Twitch, or send me a message at duckmillard at UFS Network. All right, time for a quick uh, short break. We'll be back right away. And uh, we'll get in back into our top three, as well as our um, question of the day, and much more. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back in a second. All right, uh, this is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily from uh, The Marsh, just outside of Edmonton. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, joining me on the show today. Uh, I'm so used to saying us because I've always had a producer or something. Um, And this is all, uh, all the mistakes are are mine. So I can't blame anybody uh, for any of the mistakes that are made. So let's circle back to our question of the day that we threw out before we went to break. What one player will impact your fantasy football season the most? Who is it out there? Is it your running back? Is it your quarterback? Are you freaking out about your roster? Or do you like your roster? Chime in, if you will, on our message board on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports. You can also get me on Twitter at Duck Millard, and you can get us at UFS Network. All right, our top three today. We got to this uh, a little earlier, and then we uh, had to bring, we wanted to bring in Matt Beauvais because he was... Very, very busy, but bounce-back candidates in the National Football League. And so Christian McCaffrey, like I said, I'll recap. This guy has missed 23 games in the last two years because he had a permanent residence in the MASH unit. Ankle, shoulder, hamstring. But before that, he was a beast. 2019 Easily number one running back. Almost 1,400 yards, over 1,000 yards receiving. Crushed the competition. Had 123 more points in half PPR leagues than Aaron Jones, who was the number two running back. The only guy that year to score more is Lamar Jackson. McCaffrey is back. So I think that's the easy and obvious candidate. You know, and... If that's your choice, he should go number one. I Like, I don't know if there's anybody that is is going to have, uh, if there is a bounce back, a bigger bounce back because of the amount of time that this guy has missed and because how great he is when he is healthy. And, man, did I ever hit the jackpot. I had Christian McCaffrey in 2019, and then I was going to lose him, so I traded him for Alvin Kamara, uh, who the other guy was going to lose, and ended up winning my league that year because Camara went off in the six-touchdown game. But anyway, McCaffrey, if you have been waiting for him, this is the year I think he crushes it again. I don't know if he's going to be as good as 2019. That's That's like all-world legendary Hall of Fame season. But I definitely think a bounce back is in the works. Hopefully it's more like, I just don't want the guy to get rolling and then, you know, week eight, he's limping or something. Now, Saquon Barkley of the Giants, the main reason he's here is the Giants offensive line, instead of, you know, being one of the worst of all time, just absolutely terrible, you're some bullcrap. Exactly, Cleveland. They're a lot better. They were last going into last year. Uh, they've rose to 18th. Now, still not the greatest. Look, like they're 18th. Child, please. But it's better. And I, I, Saquon Barkley just needs a good offensive line. He looked good times last year. Three touchdowns in weeks three and four. But then an ankle injury derailed it all. And Barkley was down. He's healthy and he has a chip on his shoulder. He said this week, bleep everyone.
3: What are we? We're wheels, not wheels.
1: we don't swear on here, but he said bleep everyone. So he's been more vocal. He has the talent, the motivation now it seems, to prove people wrong. It just needs the body to hold up. And if you took a chance on Saquon Barkley, I did a couple of years ago, it sucked obviously. Hopefully this is the year. And you want to talk about bad seasons. Allen Robinson was horror-awful last year. He was a wide receiver 10, two straight years with Chicago. And last year, what does he do? Throws up one touchdown. Am I hot? Yeah, I'm
0: hot. That's a crock of crap.
1: Less than 500 yards on 38 catches. Was it the QB? Has it always been the QB? We're going to find out this year. He signs with the Rams. Now he gets passes from Matt Stafford.
0: All right, all right, all right.
1: While Stafford's wearing a Super Bowl ring. And here's the other really good thing he is going to be across from Cooper Cup, meaning weaker coverage. And he's a high-end, in my opinion, wide receiver too. So there's my top three candidates for a bounce-back season. I love it. Mr. Utopia won. Says the beast of the UFAFL. Certainly hope Barkley has a big year. Thanks so much for chiming in, dropping in. I love it. I, I, listen, like I said, I think Saquon Barkley just needs an okay, an average offensive line. And their offensive line is less than average. Motivated, healthy, not the worst offensive line in the world. 60%
4: of the time, it works every time.
1: I think it's a go. I think it's a go for Saquon Barkley this year. And so, Mr. Utopia, you should be happy with that. I love it. Back to our uh, question of uh, the day. What is one player that will impact your fantasy football season the most? Well, I'm I'm guessing Mr. Utopia is going to go with uh, Saquon Barkley. But if you drafted Christian McCaffrey, then that's probably the guy based on my top three bounce backs. But you know what? You go back to what Matt Beauvais said, and you look at the Gabe Davis situation in Buffalo. And, and you know what? It, it makes sense. What happens with the top cornerbacks in football? They don't get thrown at all the time. And if Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup are drawing double teams most of the time or whatever it might be, your Gabe Davis and your Allen Robinsons are going to be like, hey, I'm over here. Give me the goods. I'm taking it to the house. So if you do have a chat or a draft tonight, maybe push those guys up. Robinson up. Don't go chasing after Diggs or Waterfalls or... Cooper Cup, maybe.
4: Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Now,
1: if you really want to stack it up and go for the number one, I'm not saying don't do it. Obviously, there's merit in that, and there's obviously a lot of talent in that, especially if Cooper Cup uh, does it again. But like, do you honestly think Cooper Cup is going to be able to repeat that fan, like that fantasy season last year, was
0: nuts. Huge, that's huge. Huge. huge.
1: So, a guy like Allen Robinson might be the guy who wins you your fantasy league this year. It could happen. Less coverage, weaker coverage, decent amount of targets. There's no reason why. Those guys, and if Allen Robinson was a wide receiver, a top 10 guy before with Trubisky and whoever else was throwing him the ball, what's going to happen with him not being the focal point and a better quarterback? We'll see. Really good action today right now. Rublev and TFO uh, at the U.S. Open. TFO's up 7-6, 7-6, and they're in the uh, third set. It's a good one. That match last night with Nick Kyrgios was wild. He just kept yelling at his coaches. So 7-6, 7-6, and it's 4-3. So this looks like he's making his way to the semis. And, of course, as I mentioned, some afternoon baseball uh, on the deck right now or uh, on the uh, schedule right now. Uh, The Yankees, remember that... uh, Tommy boy, what's your favorite team? The Yankees. Uh, The Twins are leading 3-1 over the Yankees. The Yankees are losing to a guy who is making his major league debut. Now, that's not as bad as the Leafs losing to a Zamboni driver as a goalie, but it's still like, wow, it's impressive stuff. Um, We'll tell you a little bit more. They just recently called up uh, Varland, and he's impressive. Five innings today, he's given up one hit and one earned run. Against the vaunted, you know, normally amazingly scary Yankees lineup. Right now, it's basically Aaron Judge. No Rizzo. Donaldson's not even in the lineup today. Not surprising. So, also the Dodgers and the Padres. They are underway. Colorado smoking Milwaukee seven nothing so far. Oakland up two nothing over uh, Atlanta. The Angels and Detroit scoreless, and uh, the White Sox and Seattle also scoreless. Twin bill today for the Yankees and Twins, and I think the Mets and Pir- maybe not. Maybe just the Yankees and Twins are playing a uh, twin bill. So we'll keep you up to date on all of that stuff uh, that is uh, going on in the world of sports. But still to come on the program, we're going to get to uh, some signings in uh, the National Hockey League with a couple of young players. Some NFL news regarding uh, the New York Jets quarterback. Guys for you to grab and stash give you some advice on guys that you might want to grab and and pick up right now Uh, and some baseball news. As mentioned, Anthony Rizzo, uh, not expected back and actually has been placed on the injured list. So a lot of that stuff, a really funny video about cats and dogs on uh, the 11th 11th year anniversary of it and a spectacular night for uh, Chelsea Gray in the WNBA last night as well as some top-shelf Fantasy performances. So so we've still got a very, very busy show. Uh, Matt Beauvais joined us earlier. Larry Fisher is scheduled to join us in just a little bit. But right now, we're going to duck out for a short commercial break, grab a little glass of water. And while I'm gone, check out this amazing opportunity with the ultimate crypto driving championship. Get yourselves ready to race at great heights to become the global sim racing champion. Create your crypto livery. Enter with the best designs. Enter to win prizes. Outrace your competition. Winning is all that matters. Watch the other racers in your rear view mirror. Gain massive exposure battling against the biggest names in crypto with a season-long race for the championship. Bring glory to your token. Drive like a champion, win it all. Be first or last. If you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Get behind the wheel and drive for your project. And fast, and fast, and Let's keep rocking on with the show and give you the latest fantasy news and notes that you need to win your league. No idea why that wouldn't stop. There we go. Uh, My name is Dean Millard. Thank you very much uh, for joining me here in the marsh just outside of Edmonton for Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Here on Twitch. If you missed any of our shows, uh, you can always catch them in replay format. We upload them to YouTube, and we put them out in podcast format as well. Just search for Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network wherever you find your podcasts, or on YouTube, and you can get all that great information. Um, I don't know why that's there, but. All right, so if you want to check out more information about Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, check out uffsports.com. The VR1 racing is going to be amazing. We've got daily fantasy cards coming out. Uh, So much cool stuff. And the leagues are next level. Uh, There's nothing anywhere close to it as far as the realism. Don Ewing chiming in saying, anytime the Yankees lose or are losing is a good day. Ha-ha. And uh, Arnie says truth. Yeah, you know what, though? The the Jays, and maybe it's everybody hating the Yankees. And I guess that you could put the Dodgers in for the National League, I guess. But it kind of comes across as as Jamie was talking about, Jamie Thomas, I think it was, about the inferiority complex. So I grew up in Manitoba. Everybody in Brandon hates Winnipeg. There's an inferiority complex. You're you're jealous of the big city or whatever. So I wonder if that's just Jays fans that just hate the Yankees, or I think it might be everybody that universally doesn't like the Yankees except for Yankee fans. So here's a question for Don, for Arnie. Do you put your, and everybody, do you put your hate aside to win fantasy? Oh, Francis uh, T.F.O. gets it done. He's dancing at the U.S. Open. Nice three-set win. On to the semis. What a day! What a what a scene! It's like last night when Kyrgios lost. It was a, it was a cool scene. So Don says for me, it was them just buying the best players and not producing them themselves. And he says, I don't think we have any Yankees on our team, LOL. Yeah, they they did they but buying the player is one thing and signing free agents, all teams do that. But they also traded like some they they made trades for some players and, and they used some of their organization. I agree. I think the Yankees, you know, traditionally have spent more in free agency. When people say that to the Dodgers, I counter it, and I'd be like, "Go look at some of the homegrown talent in there." And if you use your homegrown talent to trade for players, that's just as fine, in my opinion. You're not, you know, you're you're still using them in a way to improve. So, I don't know. I I don't really care what team my players play for like I have the, the giants closer Duvall on my fantasy team. Cause he's going to get points. So I think probably I used to be like that when I was younger and maybe not as smart. Now I try to be a little bit more smarter and it depends on what you're in. If you're in the UFLB, you, you, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm joking with Don. I know that they wouldn't not draft Yankees. If if Aaron judge was there and, and it was available and they need him, they would do that. But you know, if you're in your twenty, forty dollar fantasy leagues, you can have a no flames rule. That's whatever. If you're in like a thousand dollar league with massive entry fees like ours, you have to be smarter and, and you have to say, hey, you know, we've got to uh we gotta be smart, we gotta take the players that are gonna help us get it done. So yeah, Francis TFO getting it done, and uh it's scoreless between the Dodgers and the Giants. At the end of two, uh, this one just primarily has fantasy uh implications um, there 's certainly no way anybody is catching the Dodgers in the l a west all right uh, as we 've talked about uh, some afternoon baseball um, dodgers giants scoreless Yankees the last time I looked we 're losing now it 's three uh, three between the Yankees and the twins. So it certainly looks like uh, the Yankees and and the youngster that we told you that was making his first start, Varland, is out of the game now. Uh, so not surprising, but pretty impressive. Five and a third, goes seven, uh, strikes out seven, uh, does give up the one home run. I'll just check right now, and yeah, Aaron Judge, fifty-five home runs. Fantasy fans, Aaron Judge. Getting it done with his 55th home run. Glibert Torres also with his 19th. So, Twins-Yankees tied at three. That has so many implications because the Yankees, uh, they want to obviously keep their their lead in the, the American League East, which is down to four and a half games. For Minnesota, they lose this division race with Cleveland. They're out. They're not getting in the wild card. So, that game... Cleveland will be watching very carefully. We'll keep you updated on uh, some stats coming out of that game for you fantasy poolies and all that fun stuff. So, Yankees, Twins, uh, more afternoon baseball as well. The Brewers and the Rockies. Rockies up 7-1 in that one. And I know there are some uh, fantasy teams out there that are hoping... that the Rockies can get healthy. Trejo has a home run in that one, and uh, Togila as well, if you're keeping track at home. All right, so in the uh, National Hockey League, you see this uh, jersey over my shoulder there, the Montreal Canadiens jersey. uh, Threw that up because the Montreal Canadiens signed a player today uh, in Kirby Dak, and now the Montreal Canadiens made a big splash at the draft when they traded for Kirby Dak uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. And today they sign the youngster who hails from my neck of the woods, uh, Fort Saskatchewan, which is uh, just outside of Edmonton as well. So uh, the Canadiens uh, signed the restricted free agent to a four-year, three-point or four-year thirteen-point four-five million dollar deal so just over 3.3 million per season for the next four years Uh, obviously it's a a bridge deal these bridge deals make me nervous it's why Darnell Nurse ended up with nine million dollars and it's way too much but it's also like a show me like go out and get it done you know Kirby Dak had an incredible start to the season with Chicago in his rookie season and then ended up breaking his uh, wrist at the World Juniors. Never got on track in the last two years. And Chicago has been terrible. So Kirby Duck has some show-me to do, in my opinion. Again, Chicago was horror-awful, and we're going to get to Chicago later in our team-by-team preview. Montreal's a a much better fit on the rise. Chicago's... They're, obviously, they traded everybody but Kane and Taves. Seth Jones, I guess, is still there as well. But it's interesting. I You know, I think this is a sensible deal from the uh, standpoint of the Montreal Canadiens. And I think Kirby Doc, you know, I, I we'll wait and see where Kirby Doc fits in on the... Uh, the depth chart with the Montreal Canadiens, you know, they they have some questions this year. Going not about you know specific talent by any means, but what does Yuri Slavkovsky do? Carey Price looks like he's out. He's out. He's out for the season. Like I'm looking at this depth chart on. Uh, I think this is on Cap Friendly. This must be old. They don't even have some of these guys on here. So Kirby Dock's got to play for the Canadians this year. He's got to prove himself, in my opinion, because he just got a contract and he wants to get another contract in four years. But he's got to make his way into the, this lineup. Right now, I'm on Puckpedia now. They got him in the, slotted in the third line center. You know who they don't have on that team is your Slavkovsky. And maybe it's smart that they don't. You know, maybe you, you yeah, obviously you wait and see what happens at camp, but don't rush the guy. Kirby Dock? I think by the end of the season, Kirby Dock has an opportunity to overtake Christian Dvorak. Christian Dvorak right now is listed uh, on this Puckpedia daily Faceoff as the number two center. Uh, I think down the road as this season goes on, we're going to see that change. I think you'll see Kirby Dock if he progresses to move into that number two center position. Now, the other guy that signed a big deal today that's not going to go into effect until next year is Tim Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators. Love this guy. Love this player. Um, He was awesome to watch at the World Juniors and the World Championships. He's in the final year of his entry-level deal, $925,000. Next year, the deal kicks in. Eight years, $66.8 million. And I know the Royals in the UFHL loving that. Arnie's got to love it. He's got to love that deal because $8 million for a guy of Tim Stutzler's caliber could look like an absolute steal. I mean, look at Leon Dreisaitl's contract right now. And I'm not saying Stutzler's going to reach the same heights as his German counterpart, but... $8 million looks good. Like, we traded in fantasy for Thomas Hurdle the other day because we think he's going to make that contract look good. There are some contracts that I don't think are going to look good. As I mentioned, Darnell Nurse, $9 million. Jeff Skinner right now, even though there's production, it's $9 million. At some point, that Dougie Hamilton contract, and we have him in fantasy, probably not going to be that great. But there are other contracts that you're like, holy man, that is good. Like, Cale McCarr's deal, even right now, is is sick. Um, So... You have to look at deals and say, you know, what is it like now? Okay, what is it going to be like in four years when the cap is at maybe $90 million? And I think that Stutzla deal. It's going to be a steal. Larry Fisher chiming in, Slavkowski and Monahan both missing from that lineup. Intrigued to see how they actually line up on the opening night. Yeah, I think, you know, like... Slavkowski, I, I can definitely see not starting in Montreal. Doesn't have to. You can go to the minors. You can play in Laval, I think, as their farm team. So we'll see on that one. Doc and Monaghan, to me, are like, you know. I guess familiarity maybe pushes Dvorak into that spot. But I would think Kirby Doc will will should if he progresses overtake that spot by at some point and Sean Monaghan may end up being the fourth line center in Montreal expensive this year but motivated for sure in the final year of his contract so uh, Ottawa Montreal massive massive changes almost like the North Stars and Duckman's domination um who else made some big moves? Uh, snipers, Battlehawks, lots of teams making moves in the offseason. Obviously, Kamikaze, Rock Republic going crazy trading everything. I think they own every draft pick. Uh, they're like, uh, they're, you remember when Ditka traded all of his draft draft picks for Ricky Williams? How'd that work out? But anyway, uh, those guys have a ton of draft picks, and um, I have a ton of their players, as do every a lot of other people. In our league, uh, one NFL note before we uh duck out, uh, before we duck out for a commercial break and then bring in Larry Fisher of Ultimate uh, Franchise Fantasy Sports, he is our head of hockey. But Joe Flacco, it's Joe Flacco time in New York for the Jets because Zach Wilson is out until week four with a knee injury, and that means the veteran will be starting week one against his former team, the Ravens. I ask you NFL fans and particularly Jet fans, if there are any tuning in to uh, the Twitch uh, stream, what will the Jets record be after four weeks of Joe Flacco? Chime in on our Twitch message chat or hit me up on Twitter at duckmillard at UFS network. What will the New York Jets record be after four weeks of Joe Flacco before Zach Wilson is I'm going to say one and three. I think, I think for whatever reason, Joe Flacco is going to beat the Ravens and then lose three weeks in a row. So I say one and three is the Jets record after four weeks of Joe Flacco. If you're a Joe Flacco fan, maybe you're hoping the Jets are three and one and he keeps the job. Like, what do you, what would you do? Like, Joe Flacco comes out four and oh. Runs the table? You're not taking him out. not going to happen. If Joe, if Joe Flacco comes out 4-0, and strange things are afoot at the circle. K. Indeed. Indeed. That would be the strangest thing. We might have to make, might have to steal that stranger things and have a, a segment of strange things that could happen in uh, the world of sports. And Joe Flacco and the New York Jets going 4-0 would definitely factor in that, Byron. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Indeed. Okay, we're going to duck out for a short break. We'll get our next guest, Larry Fisher, all lined up to go. Uh, looking forward to chatting with Larry about a couple of these signings as well. Is Jake Paul for real? Like, am am I the idiot for not believing in Jake Paul? Or is everybody else kind of crazy for jumping on this Jake Paul bandwagon? Are we going to find out against Anderson Silva? Is this just a publicity stunt? Larry will set the record straight when we come back. In the meantime, here's a funny video for you. How about mascots crushing kids at halftime this is ultimate fantasy sports daily we're back right away All right, uh, before uh, people start getting mad about uh, all those kids getting smoked by mascots, just remember, those mascots take a lot of abuse. Like Jamie told the story the other day, uh, one of the craziest stories about mascots, they take a lot of abuse, and it's really hot in those costumes. So they just have to take out their frustration sometimes on, uh, you know, really cocky young kids in football games at uh, times. All right, uh really excited to uh bring in uh Larry Fisher now, who's going to join us weekly on the program here and of course uh, he is the insider on uh UFHL now, which we will be revving up right away. Uh but Larry, some uh, NHL news today regarding uh some well one RFA and and one guy who gets an extension. Let's start with uh Kirby Doc in in Montreal. We remember Kirby Doc having that hot start, and ever since then, it's been quite cool. Is this a bit of a show me contract? Obviously, it's a bridge deal where the Montreal Canadiens and Kirby Doc are both saying, "Let's see what we have here."
3: A bit surprising that Doc went uh, went to four years at, at that you know four point or three po- yeah four point three million dollar uh, cap hit. Uh, you know, usually a bridge is is two or three years if it's a, like Paul Yarby did in Edmonton mm-hmm. and other guys have done. Uh, so I'm surprised that Montreal, obviously, uh, Kent Hughes, former agent, he's good at negotiations. I'm a bit surprised that he was able to get, you know, the third and the fourth year at that price. Because uh, I know we're going to talk about Tim Stutzla as well. And, and there's a $5 million difference now between Stutzla and Doc, and they're both third overall picks in the NHL draft. So if you're in, in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League like the Grizzlies and you got Kirby Dock at 4.3 for, uh, or sorry, yeah, for the next, uh, you know, that number of years, it, it's a, a steal of a deal in, in a in a cap league, uh, you know, compared to, uh, you know, although, or sorry, 3, I got that wrong. So 3.3 for Dock. So that's a, a steal of a deal, especially mm-hmm. that's actually below, Below league average, Dean, league average uh, heading into this year when you average out all the contracts is going to be around $4 million. So to lock up a third overall pick for four years at below the league average at, you know, $3.3 million for for Montreal and Ken Hughes, that's a, a huge win. And I do think for Kirby Dock, it is a prove-me contract. Uh, you know, we've seen guys like Dylan Strome who haven't really popped as third overall picks. And I don't think that the body of work, uh, like I said, there's been injuries in there, but the body of work doesn't say he deserves the $8 million. He's not... Uh, popping the way Stutzla and some other third overall picks have. But I think value-wise, that's a, a great deal to get that third and fourth year on the bridge uh, for, for the Montreal Canadiens, especially because not too many uh, players coming out of their entry-level contracts are going the bridge route anymore. Most of them want that 5000000 million, million-plus kind of uh, second contract. So I think the Canadians, and like I said, in, in a dynasty league with a, a full cap setup like the Grizzlies have with Kirby Dock and the UFHL, uh, knowing that you're going to have Kirby Dock for the next four years, uh, three of those years, the Royals are going to have uh, Tim Stutzla, essentially $5 million more for three out of those four years. I'd rather take the cheap guy and, and assume even if he gets 10 million on his next deal, uh, you know, he's earned it. And he's, he's been good value at that 3.3 for, for four years. If he get, does get a big contract on his next one.
1: Well, and it's and it's really interesting. You know, we were talking. Uh, you chimed in on the chat about the lineup for the Montreal Canadiens, um, and we're going to preview the Chicago Blackhawks uh, next segment where Kirby Doc played. But the Montreal Canadiens lineup. You know, do they fit Slavkowski in there? Where does Kirby Doc? You know, if you, depending on what site you look at, you you see. Um, Christian Dvorak is the number two. Some places have Doc number two, then Sean Monahan. So there's some moving parts with this Montreal Canadiens roster that has to be sorted out at training camp, which could make fantasy owners a little bit uh, you know, nervous of whether a guy like Slavkowski you know, is going to be in the lineup, where a guy like Doc, for you know, where is he going to play in that Montreal Canadiens lineup to start? I, I have to think Kirby Doc has to be eyeing up that number two center spot and saying, that's mine for the taking.
3: I think those two could be a real dynamic duo, Doc and Slavkovsky, two big, powerful guys that skate well. But at the same time, you got two finesse players on the top line with Caulfield and Suzuki. I know we're both looking at that daily face-up lineup, and, and Arnie made a joke about it in the, in the chat, yeah. that you know Mike Hoffman is this you know, 1999 or what 2009, that he's on the top line. But that spot where they have Hoffman, I mean, that's kind of earmarked for uh, a big power forward guy like Slavkovsky to play with Caulfield and Suzuki. But do you want three young guys like that? Or, you know, obviously you got a guy like Josh Anderson that could slide up there as well, big power forward. But I really like the the potential stack. And I'm sure they had that in mind when they traded for Kirby Doc on the same day they drafted. Yuri Slavkovsky has imagined these two playing together, whether it's this year or next year. Uh, so again, getting that that value done for, for Doc. And from Doc's side, I think, you know, new team, new environment, you know, you're settling into Montreal. You want to be there on day one of training camp, which is next week. You don't want to, let this contract linger any longer. So maybe there was only, you know, uh, a one year at $2 million or, you know, four years at 3.3, or I don't know what the, what other offers were on the table or was it take it or leave it on the bridge? I'm not sure, but uh, certainly he wants to be there from day one of camp and, and, and find his fit in that lineup. But Like I said, if Sean Monaghan's healthy, uh, where does he go? Because uh, obviously guys like Christian Dvorak and Jake Evans can, can move to the wing if need be. DeMarcus mm-hmm. played a lot of wing. You could you could slide Monahan or Doc in that spot. Uh, who knows with Jonathan Drewen and and you know he's had some off ice issues and and he's kind of easing his way back into hockey, making a return this season by the sounds of it. As well as Paul Byron, who's had uh, concussion issues and injuries. So there could be two holes right there. If Drewen and Byron aren't good to go, then you slide in Monahan and Slavkovsky. But uh, some people wonder about Monahan if he's actually healthy and and gonna you know pass his physical. Uh, much like a guy like Mark stone in vegas there 's always some uncertainty because they do have to get through the physical to start training camp, but assuming mm-hmm. the, uh, you know that monahan 's healthy, I think he could slide in uh, you know I think Dvorak would be the natural to move to the wing and and either Doc moves up or Monahan slides in there but uh, it is a fascinating lineup because the forward depth as you're going through these NHL team previews and you're going to see Chicago has next to no depth uh, today, but as you're going through these previews and, you know, when you pick first overall in the NHL draft, you always think, okay, that's a rebuilding team. You know, they're going to be terrible for the next five years. Then you look at this forward depth chart and you go, wow, Montreal's got four lines that can score. And, you know, and then you got Marty St. Louis who was uh, above 500 as a coach when he took over and all of a sudden are, are they a a one-year reload? And is this a team that can challenge, but they also have holes on defense and, we know Carey Price isn't going to be back, so right. obviously with uh, Jake Allen and Sam Montebo, who knows what happens in goal. And, and right now they got two rookies penciled in on defense team, Justin Barron on the right side and Jordan Harris on the left. So potential there for, for a trade of one of these forwards we've been talking about uh, to bring in some more help on the back end.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, that f- that front line, like when you look at the Dauber hockey preview, uh, that, that front line of Drew Ann, Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield, that's a light line. It's a very skilled line, but it's a light line. So you might want to move some guys up and, you know, doc has some experience. Maybe he has some size or, you know, I think Brendan Gallagher can still play in your top six at times because of his physicality, but there's, there's going to be a time where Brendan Gallagher is going to slip into a third line role. And, and it seems like the Montreal Canadians have those guys now. Gallagher uh, is a like he's one of those fantasy awesome MVPs like a Brad Marchand right because he just hits so many categories so uh, the the Gallagher owners out of there in fantasy are like no just give us like one or two more years of top six minutes
3: S- especially if, if hits are a category in your yeah. league and and one thing I should mention Dean on Slavkovsky uh, I that came across this tweet right before we came on but if Slavkovsky doesn't make the NHL right away he will essentially be the First forward taken first overall since 1989, Matt Sundin to not make the NHL right out of the gate. So that's, uh, that was Byron Bader on Twitter. And, and he mm-hmm. said, it's an interesting storyline. The only other two since Matt Sundin in 1989, if you're a forward pick first overall, you're in the NHL the next year. The only other two were Eric Lindros. He had the holdout with with Quebec and, and, and Philadelphia situation. And Alex Ovechkin, the lockout year in 04. Other than those guys obviously would have been in the NHL mm-hmm. as star players if, star rookies had they had they been eligible so if he do, if he starts in the ahl or if they considered sending him back to the liga he would be the first forward taken first overall in you know how many years is that 1989 since Dean. so but in saying that dean one thing we have to remember about these this, this year's draft class is uh you know a lot of them lost a lot of development with covid so they haven't played as much hockey as normal right. so uh and you know he wasn't a dominant force in liga by any means he was good but he wasn't dominant in the finish elite or finish league so Uh, some AHL time could could be beneficial especially when you look at that depth chart and there's not really an an obvious spot for him unless again you take Mike Hoffman out and and you take Jonathan Druin out and you take Paul Byron out then then some spots open up and and that'll all play out as training camp opens and those storylines evolve but uh, I definitely think in training camp Dean and in the preseason they're they're going to give him a showcase they're going to let him play with Suzuki and Caulfield or let him play with Doc and Anderson or whatever the case right they're going to try and get Slavkovsky into that lineup but it'll be interesting to see if if he actually sticks uh, beyond the nine games uh, to start the season or at all to start the season because uh, the history says he should be in the NHL as a a forward taken first overall
1: well it, it really had a negative effect on Matt Sundin's career to not play in the NHL right away I mean I don't know why it's this you know Owen Power didn't play right away as a defenseman I don't know why the Oilers rushed Ryan Nugent-Hopkins or Neil Yakupov in their three straight number one overalls. There's some guys where you're like, yeah, okay, that guy is definitely an NHL player. And then there's other guys that you're like, why? Why do you do it? So, you know, it, L- L- Laval seems the, the uh, obvious choice for me because he stays in North America and he can come up if he really, really gets good as opposed to bringing him all the way over. So, you know, obviously let training camp dictate it, but... The, the thought that every first overall pick or high pick needs to start in the NHL is asinine.
3: And a part of that is because of the, the entry level contract and needing those cheap yeah. cap hits, especially with a flat cap now and, and the cap not going up by, you know, again, does Shane Wright make Seattle does, you know, does I don't think Simon Nemitz is going to play in New Jersey. Arnie's probably going to pipe in here and say yes, he is. But huh. uh, but again, a lot of these, and he's a an defenseman, so that's a little bit different story. But a lot of these high end guys, the reason they've went straight to the NHL is uh, a they're good enough to to be eased into the lineup in in some capacity. But in a lot of cases, I think it, it is that they're a cheap asset and they want to maximize the. three years of cheap because they they don't it's either that either bring them in or you sign Sam Gagne or you know a a veteran guy on the tail end Mm. of his career Jake Vertanen who would you rather have if they need one like right now we're looking at that depth chart they don't need him but if they had a forward spot open for him do you want Jake Vertanen at 900,000 or do you want Uri Slavkovsky at you know a million bucks so it is interesting and I think that's why a lot of these players get rushed is a they're selling them to the fan base but B I think that their contract in the cap situation is it's gravy, but at that contract's the same whether they start next year or the That's year right. after. They're still going to be a million dollars, so I agree with you. I think Lavelle's right next door, uh, same province, get him settled in. I, I think Lavelle makes a lot of sense.
1: Uh, Arnie says, I think Paul Byron is injured uh, to start the year, So uh, and obviously lots of things. Like you said, guys that uh, might not pass their physicals. I, I will tell you, we we certainly checked into Sean Monahan's health before we traded for him, and... You know, I, I think we have a pretty good source in Craig Button, who has a brother uh, in the Flames organization, and Craig, you know, reassured me that you know Monahan was healthy. Now, where he was fitting into the lineup then was a big question mark, and he's not obviously because he's in Montreal now, but. I did have it on good authority that he that he is that he is healthy and and uh, ready to go. Arnie says no. Nah, I hope he doesn't for two years. Too many ELCs going at once for us. We aren't your traditional rebuild. I don't quit calling it a rebuild. Like it's not a rebuild when you're predicted to be the number one team. So stop saying it's a rebuild. It's like that's not a. We are a rebuild. The North Stars are a rebuild. The Royals won the league and. You know, traded away some players and are still good. So, Arnie's not allowed to use the word rebuild anymore.
3: One more cheap year of Tim Stutzler, Arnie, and then next year he's an $8.3 yeah. $8. million player. So, the Royals, that cap situation will tighten up a bit as, you know, Kent Johnson will get his three years now or two more years. But, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, again, managing the cap is such a big part of, uh, the Ultimate fantasy hockey league, but Arnie's uh, he's always thinking one step ahead, he's got that all mapped out. How he's gonna again, I think one thing with the Royals, Dean, is you look at uh, even this thought looking for older players, Palmieri, Paris, Perry, it's because those guys are going to retire at their cap hits, whether it's next year or the year after. And they got the next wave ready to come right in, uh, with these young guys. So I think you know, uh, they they like that veteran leadership and they need the the, the guys. You know, Alex Ovechkin, uh, hopefully he chases Wayne Gretzky down and, and, and plays five more years or six more years, and keeps scoring 40 goals for the Royals in, in the UFHL, and they want that supporting cast. They're not going to go into a total rebuild while they have Alex Ovechkin as the, the face mm. of the franchise. but I think they, they keep those veteran guys around uh, uh, knowing that the, the next the, those spots are spoken for in the future, put it that way.
1: Uh, okay, so you mentioned Stutzla, and he signs a deal, and not surprising. You know, this, is, this guy uh, has been a star since day one uh, in the World Juniors uh, with Ottawa, 22 goals last year. And, you know, this Ottawa team is really, really interesting now when you look at how they have, you know, kind of built themselves through the draft, kind of by trading at the draft, right? Like they, they, they went into that draft and came out of it looking very different because of making some moves. And, you know, you've got, like, we're, we're, you've got so much fun to play with in this top six. This, this Ottawa top six for fantasy uh, perspective, it's a, like get as many of these guys as you can because they're going to be fun and they're going to be offensive.
3: And barring injury, Dean, I think DJ Smith will have a system in place to to still play strong defensive hockey as well. Uh, and I really think, you know, barring injuries, Ottawa might. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, that division, And it's kind of like you said, some of the divisions, your division, uh, the OR division in the UFHL with the Snipers and and uh, Duckmans and, and, and those franchises all pushing up at once. That's what's happening in that Atlantic division. But you're right, that top six in Ottawa, right now, I mean, I, who knows how they're going to start camp. But right now it's sort of penciled in that, uh Stutzla is going to have uh, uh Claude Giroux the homecoming of Claude Giroux on one wing and the new guy Alex DeBrincat on the mm-hmm. other wing well uh it's pretty easy to project if you're if you're centering DeBrincat and Giroux you're going to have a monster year he might hit 80 points he might you know he might hit uh 30 goals 50 assists kind of type season for Tim Stutzla it's going to be a a big year he's set up for a big year with that line combo if that's what they go with and obviously then you think, oh, wow, that's a great first line. But then you're still looking up at Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, mm-hmm. and Drake Batherson. So if uh, no injuries in that top six, uh, Ottawa is going to be a, a fun team to watch. They've solidified the goaltending with Cam Talbot and, and Anton Forsberg there. And and again, they're going to bring in some youth on the back end as well. Uh, Jake Sanderson's going to play. And you know they re-signed Eric Brandstrom and Thomas Chabot still just entering his prime. You know, he's going to log 30 minutes a night. So... Overall, that that Ottawa franchise is a, a bit of a sleeper when you get to that team preview. Who's the breakout player there? They have lots of uh, potential breakout players, even a guy like Shane, but he's healthy and ready to go to start the year.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I just look at uh, the the top six is is really really exciting, and I mean, I mean, Tim Stutzla, this is you know we always talk about this, like what's this contract going to look at in year x right you know people do that with Zach Hyman the contract that the Oilers signed him to yeah it might not be as fun down the stretch but if it helps you win a cup or something it's worth it this is a contract in Tim Stutzla like his countryman Leon Draisaitl. that's going to look really good potentially in the next couple of years like this could be an 8 million dollar player that's putting up 85 to 100 points in between there uh, with the cap going up like it could look like an absolute steal. These guys that are signing these $8 million deals, Thomas Hurdle, you know, that's why we traded for him in fantasy because, you know, you hope the cap goes up. It's not a flat cap and $8 million looks really, really good in a couple of years.
3: It, it's going to absolutely Dean and and a good, great analogy with uh, Leon Dreisaitl because he's only slightly but Leon's yeah. at 8.5 and then Tim's at 8.3 so he almost became the the highest paid German player right there <laughs> but uh, uh, very uh, exciting for Ottawa and, and again like I said when when you're extending these guys with a year left in their in their ELC still uh, Jack Hughes last summer those guys uh, you're getting them this entire contract you're getting them in their prime you know Jake JT Miller just signed a, a similar deal, you know, a $8 million deal, But you're get, or Johnny Gaudreau at 10.5. But you're getting those guys in the, the back half of their career into their mid to late 30s. Here, you know, you're getting, like I said, it's very similar to Leon Dreisaitl, where, you know, he's getting, Leon Dreisaitl's got three years left. Well, at the end of that contract, Leon Dreisaitl's still at the, the back end of his prime. He's still in his late 20s. He's still going to be, you know, potentially scoring 50 goals a year. And, I, again, I think Tim Stutzler is going to grow into this contract even if he had, you know, a 70 or 60 point season this year. Yeah. Okay. It, it might not have lived up to expectations or maybe he hits an injury, but uh, you, you still got seven you know, or that contract only starts next year. So, I mean, he's still got that entire runway of, uh, you know, production throughout his prime at a guaranteed price. And again, you look at guys, look what Sidney Crosby's making still look what Nathan McKinnon, he's got his last year at 6.3 mm-hmm. at, when those guys signed those contracts, those were pretty big contracts, but the cap moved. And I think, you, you nailed it, Dean. I don't think this flat cap, they said a record year for revenues for the NHL this past season coming out of COVID. That's only going to get bigger and bigger with it. You've seen how much they pushed, you know, the, the the sports betting and everything else. They got tons of new revenue streams. Uh, I think the NHL uh, is going to continue to set records. And I, I predicted, and that was a bold prediction that I think the NHL ceiling is going to be a hundred million uh, before hmm. 2030 for sure. But potentially, you know, five years from now, I think it's going to start jumping by four to 5 million a year, uh, you know, Starting next, I could see it going from 82.5 to 86.5 or 87.5 already next year. And then, like I said, then you start looking at these $8 million guys as a bargain. As, as that league average goes from $4 million closer to $6 million. And, and again, we're talking hockey. Then you look at baseball and basketball <laughs> and football. And it looks like they're all making uh, peanuts comparatively. But for, for the NHL side, I do think the cap is, is inevitably going to go up. And I really think uh, guys like Tim Stutzler will be a bargain by the end of this contract.
1: Yeah, to, when you when you get into the other sports compared to the NHL, it's it's actually quite ridiculous. But it's it's all about revenues, right? So you're not going to pay more than what you're bringing in. All right. So a lot of people have just uh, finished up their fantasy football drafts, getting ready for the season opener tomorrow between the Rams and the Bills, and now they can start turning their attention towards hockey drafts, as you know some of those. Well, uh, well, I I would hope there's not a hockey draft this early because it's uh, still a, a few weeks away from camp or whatever it is, but um Let's talk about some Calder favourites. For those uh, people doing a little bit of pre-draft research, uh, who are a few names, and and like we just said, it's hard to kind of predict because are guys going to stick? Are they not? And is there going to be somebody coming up from uh, the AHL or from Europe this year that really stands out? Who are a few names that you're kind of circling a little early uh, for the Calder race in the NHL?
3: Well, that's a great question, Dean, because usually you're looking at those forwards that were taken at the top of the draft. You're always thinking that the first overall pick is going to be in the conversation for the Calder. But if Slikovsky starts in Lavelle and, and Shane Wright mm-hmm. might even go back to Kingston, who knows what Seattle's going to do? Then you're looking at guys like Mason McCavish, who we just saw as world junior MVP. He's going to get some prime minutes in Anaheim. You're looking at some of these guys, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Owen Power, Kent Johnson, these guys that played that year of college and are now coming into the league so like those three could come to mind immediately you know mason mctavish kent johnson owen power as guys that were drafted last year they got another year of maturity uh even if slavkovsky and Wright play i would still lean to the the extra year of experience like that's where you kind of said dina it didn't hurt matt sundin to go back home Hmm. it didn't hurt you know mason mctavish to, to eventually wind his way back to junior or or certainly didn't hurt owen power to play another year of college hockey and get all the, the Hockey Canada experiences under his belt. But uh, those three come to mind. But it, it will be an interesting Calder race if it doesn't feature Slavkovsky or Shane Wright uh, in the NHL this year because we're so used to, oh, uh, top of mind, who's going to win the Calder? It was whoever was the the first. Like next year at this time, Connor Bernard's going to be the Connor, Calder favorite because he's going to be, you know, the, well, knock on wood, uh, presumed to be the first overall right. pick. And it'll just be automatically assumed that This Calder race starts with Connor Bedard, but this year I don't think it starts with Slavkovsky and Wright necessarily. I think, like I said, Power, Johnson, McTavish—some of those guys are are certainly going to make some noise.
1: What about what about a guy on this roster uh, for the San Jose Sharks and William McLean? What do you think his chances are?
3: Absolutely, I think San Jose's rebuilding, so I think they have all the the motivation to feed him. You know, power play one time, and then you know if if he starts strong and he's out there with Meyer and Hurdle or something, you know, like he. It's going to be interesting to see the deployment, but I think uh, comparatively to Montreal, again, when I look at that Montreal roster, I see a team that's still kind of on the, the fringes of, you know, could maybe be in the playoff race. Uh, whereas San Jose, I see a team that's rebuilding more so, uh, traded away Brent Burns and stuff. So I really think Mike Greer is going to focus on development there with uh, uh, trying to think coach, uh, uh, former New York Rangers coaches, is, is their oh, college coach. David uh, Quinn. David Quinn, there you go. This has skipped my mind, but uh, I think David Quinn again will will really focus on development. He'll be great for uh, mm-hmm. for William Eklund. and and I think yeah, I think uh, again because they're th- if they're losing games, it's all about you know getting experience. So why not roll him out there on the top power play and get him playing with your best players? He's going to be part of the future of that franchise. You know, if they're in the Bedard sweepstakes or whatever, then. Uh, Certainly he'll get lots of uh, prime opportunity this year. And I think he could have been in the Calder race last year. I think if he would have stayed, he looked good in San Jose. So mm-hmm. another year of experience back home, I really think uh, William Eklund. Another guy that comes to mind now that we're talking about Swedish forwards is obviously Alexander Holtz. Uh, right. I don't know, New Jersey. New Jersey's kind of like Montreal. New Jersey's forward depth looks really good without Holtz in that top 12. But you put him in there uh, with, with Jack Hughes and all of a sudden Holtz Hughes. Uh, then you're looking at Holtz as a a 40-goal rookie and a Calder candidate. So it's it's very interesting. But I do think uh, William Eklund has has a legitimate shot of, to be a sleeper in the Calder race because of his opportunity he's going to get in San Jose.
1: All right, I want to talk about uh, some MMA in just a second um, or or just combat sports in a second. But our scouting platform here at Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, um, you you kind of oversee all, all of scouting as well as hockey. It, it is so unique uh, for people watching if they want to get involved. It's uffsports.com. But the uniqueness is that, you know, if I'm a hockey scout and I go to a college football game and I see a player that looks pretty good, I can list that player. I, you know, you can you can scout in all sports as long as you're not an owner of a franchise in that sport, and it's really cool. I mean, one of our... You know, I work, I have an affiliation with High Level Scouting, which my wife owns, and Connor Halley is our football scout. We got offered, uh, you know, well, somebody wants to buy one of our players today. So it's a really cool concept for people that, you know, have an eye for talent or just want to give it a try. Uh, you know, what's the... I guess what's the, the the best way you can uh, advise somebody on getting involved in the scouting game and and how it can be like real world scouting. Well, it is real world scouting, but it can feel like you are an actual scout.
3: A great place to to train and learn and and network. Uh we know we have on the platform Dean across the four major North American sports. We have 168 uh, registered and uh the the crossover appeal is very interesting. You mentioned the Uh, Going from sport to sport, because actually a guy, Chris Crowell, uh, who's very big on the football and basketball platform or leagues in in UFFS, he's a GM, he's a scout, he's got some of the top prospects there. He registered to be in the the open market draft for hockey. And so I was kind of weeding it out to see like, okay, who's actually going to be a hockey scout or who's just gonna show up for a couple cheap prospects and then bail and uh messaged chris and here he's born and raised in edmonton i had no idea he was canadian or from edmonton so that's kind of his his right of passage to be a hockey scout he's an edmonton guy to start with and then he grew up playing hockey so very interesting but yeah definitely uh it's as close to or it is real world scouting but you're really just trying to find who who are going to be these next top prospects across all sports and uh you're right dean if if you're watching a college football game and, and you're a hockey scout you can get on there and jump on the football site and register that college football player. And we do have a lot of scouts Arnie, as well as another one that has football prospects as well as hockey. So does GERD, gerd So it's very cool to cross over, uh, you know, even, even, uh, and then again, a lot of these agencies that uh, are bringing it, I think this is an important point. You know, a lot of our UFFS agencies are now bringing on talent, like, like mm-hmm. wise guys prospects did with Ash Glover. You go find the talent. We'll pay for the, you know, our agency will fund your operating budget and we'll give you, so you find the talent. You don't have to spend any of your own money. We want your expertise. You come work for our agency. Find us the list of players. Register the, we'll fund you to register the players. And we'll give you, you know, 80% of their profit or 60% of the profit. So all you're doing is spending your time scouting, which you would be doing anyway if you're making mock drafts and rankings and stuff. Get involved. Reach out to some of these agencies that are, are you know, some of them are high wealth agencies. They have a, a big operating budget. They'd love to bring on more. Uh, expertise uh, scouts with expertise underneath them uh, and, and they'll fund you to, to go out and find the talent for, for their feeder agency. And when that talent grows into the, the UFHL or into the, uh, the UFAFL or one of the, the main pro leagues, or, or they receive some leasing revenue, they will share that, you know, that'll be your payout. So you're, you're putting in the time. Uh, up front and then you're going to get the payout, uh, even though it's not your money that's being spent to register or buy these players in the futures auctions, uh, you're going to, you're going to benefit. So you actually are almost working for a a real world agency and getting a a salary of sorts without spending out of pocket. So just by knowing the talent pool across sports, uh, there's a lot of opportunities with agencies on, on the UFFS platform.
1: Yeah. that's a, you know, high level scouting, uh, our affiliated agency, um, you know, Craig Button is their their head scout and their director of scouting, a former GM and Stanley Cup champion. And we have Connor Halley uh, in football. So it's exactly right. You find the talent and and everybody has their own sort of deals. How about this? The Grizzlies, uh, Andrea Karendak chiming in saying, Dylan Holloway is a sleeper for the Calder Trophy. And again, another guy that might, have a hard time fighting for ice time with that Edmonton Oilers top six depth chart. Uh, Certainly, it's going to be hard for him to get any kind of power play time. Um, There's about five guys that get all the power play time there. Uh, Arnie saying, good call on Holloway. Holloway, haven't thought about him. Has anyone checked the betting odds? I just think it's going to be hard for him to get the playing time he's going to be needed, as opposed to a guy like Eklund that you mentioned, who's going to get fed a lot of playing time.
3: I agree, Dean. Uh, obviously, if if the Oilers were to trade a guy like Warren Fogley or Warren Fogle prior to the season, which they still need room potentially, depending how they structure, there are also I I seen uh, low tide. The Athletic did a a way for the Oilers to get under the cap, even though they're two and a half million over right now with their current talent pool. Uh, they could do that by keeping Dill- again. There's your cheap ELC. They could mm-hmm. keep him on the opening eight roster, send down Derek Ryan, send down some of these. That making more than Holloway and kind of be a way to to get him a roster spot. He would need a strong showing in preseason because we all know uh, Ken Holland is very uh, likes to let the Even now that they signed Ryan Murray, I think Bill Broberg needs a a big preseason or he might end up back in the AHL too. They're not going to rush their top prospects. Edmonton won't. So I expect Holloway, especially coming off injury and missing a lot of last season. I expect, And they'd like him down there with a guy like Carter Savoy. And and actually, the other one, if you want to go even deeper on the sleepers for Edmonton, Dean, is uh, uh, Xavier Bourgo. He's coming off such a good season in the queue. And a lot of people think his hockey sense, uh, somewhat similar to like an Anthony Beauvillier type player, even gets the Claude Giroux comparison sometimes. But they think he's a smart enough player that he could kind of do what Yamamoto did and play on any line up and down the lineup. So Borgo even is getting a little bit of talk as an oiler forward that could potentially crack the roster but again for for Holloway and Borgo to fit in I think you know either Poole Yarvey or uh Warren Fogle need to be traded or obviously uh and then you know there's, there's there's gonna be some training camp across the league uh UFHL franchises don't want to hear that they're all hope crossing their fingers that none of their players go down in the preseason but if Edmonton had an injury to a winger uh you know if, if Zach Hyman or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or somebody like that went down, then boom, the door's wide open for for a Holloway or a Borgo. So those guys are coming to camp thinking they're going to be on the roster. They're going to try and make the team. But uh, as far as the betting odds go for the Calder, I would expect that uh, Holloway would be outside of the top 10. Uh, as of now, just like I said, the opportunity's not there in Edmonton like it is for William Eklund and San Jose
1: okay let's uh, chat about this so I'll, I'm firstly I'll admit I, uh, I'm i not a, a, J, a, a Jake Paul aficionado expert other than what I see on the peripheral so tell me is this guy for real is it still a joke is it a publicity stunt should we take this guy more seriously you have a, a much broader uh, scope of the fight game than I do I mean I look at this from an outset and think this guy's going to get crushed by Anderson Silva. Do you have a different viewpoint?
3: Anderson Silva's an entertainer throughout his UFC career. He's always been a, an entertainer and, and he sometimes will play possum and drag a fight out. And, you know, I hope Anderson comes out in front, kicks him in the face, to be honest. And, and that's that for Jake <laughs> Paul's uh, combat sports career, but it's boxing and it's different. But Anderson Silva was just in there with Julio, Uh, Chavez Jr. and and speed bagged him and then Chavez Jr. was a world champion and he's only in his Anderson's older than him I think Chavez Jr. is in his in in his late 30s and that was in Mexico and the judges still gave the decision to Anderson that's how badly he speed bagged a professional boxer who was a world champion and that was only a year ago so uh, like Dana White said this is a real fight for Jake Paul this is a real test I think Jake Paul is an athlete I think he's I mean we see what his brother Logan Paul is even doing in WWE the moves he's pulling off there and these guys are absolutely they are they are good athletes, good natural athletic ability. They—they they wrestled in high school, played football, all the rest. Uh, Anderson Silva's a, a world-class striker. You know the guys that Jake Paul uh, previously fought. Ben Askren was a, a world-class wrestler. Tyrone Woodley uh, became a good striker, but his his base was in wrestling. Anderson Silva is you know a, a legendary striker in the game, and and he's always had great hand speed, great. Great angles, great footwork. Uh, you know, he, he he modeled a lot of, even though he was in MMA, he loved Roy Jones Jr. He always wanted that boxing match with Roy Jones Jr. when they were both in their prime or Jones was at the end of his prime. But so I think this for Anderson, uh, he's going to have fun in there. I think he's an entertainer. I don't think he's going to go out and try and finish Jake in the first round and, and make some big emphatic statement on behalf of the entire MMA community that Jake Paul's uh, not for real. But I do think one thing, you know, you see different people speaking out about Jake Paul that have trained with him. He does have power. I mean, he the, the shots he landed on Woodley and, and, and Ben Askren, uh, they didn't take a dive. It wasn't WWE. Uh, you know, some people will say it is, it is a, they were paid off or they, you know, they, they had some sort of combination where you could read Jake's hands, went to lower your hands and he was going to hit you and just fall. But I mean, if you watched it, it those were legitimate knockouts. There's some legitimate power behind his hands. So, uh, but again, I mean, I think, I think Anderson will toy with him and have some fun and be an entertainer, kind of like Floyd Mayweather did with Logan Paul. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a, an entertainment production more than a fight. But if if it gets to a, a slugfest or, or, you know, a, a real, a, a true combat sports fight, obviously I would have put my money on Anderson Silva, even though he's 20 years older than Jake Paul. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 Jake Paul's growing on me because he's dedicated himself to the sport. He does have great training partners, great coaches, uh, he's trying to become legit and he's trying to, and at the same time, he's putting boxing back on the map and, yeah. and no offense to guys like, like Bud Crawford and, and the true, true camps that would definitely speed bag Jake Paul at any weight class. Uh, <laughs> but again, he is, he is raising the profile of boxing. He's good for boxing. He's good for sport. And, and I, um, you know, I wouldn't miss that fight. I won't miss this weekend's fight. Kamzak or Kamzak Chemaev and, and Nate Diaz. That's going to be a barn burner in the UFC, uh, see who the real gangster is, like Comzat says, uh, uh, that's going to be a great fight, Chamayev and Diaz, but uh, but as far as a spectacle goes, it doesn't get much better, bigger than Jake Paul and Anderson Silva, and obviously, if Jake Paul was to make another emphatic statement and somehow knock out Anderson Silva, I really do think then that the Conor McGregor-Jake Paul fight becomes realistic, because mm. Conor's sitting on the sidelines, Conor's, you know, he's growing, he's put on 30 pounds of muscle, he's the same size as Jake Paul now, and uh, I really think if Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva, I think conor mcgregor if he doesn't come back and have a rematch with floyd mayweather i really think he will uh box jake paul next
1: well it's interesting i'm I'm glad he's taking it seriously because i I was hoping he was like i didn't want to tune into this and it have to be like thunder lips versus rocky and then it turns into a fight right you know like you know i don't want to watch uh uh Exhibition match that turns into a fight. I want to watch a fight that turns into a fight. So, uh, I'll, I'll, if, if you know, if it if the guy actually has some skill, I'll, I'll take him a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, and, and good. He, and and you're right. Um, he raises the the profile of boxing, and people stay for the the real champs and the real stars. Because I'd love to see boxing make some sort of comeback at some point, and you know, get to where it was when we were growing up.
3: For sure. And Tyson Fury just called out Anthony Joshua for a year end, uh, the battle of the big Brits uh, heavyweight, even though Joshua just lost, that'd be a huge heavyweight fight. So boxing in general is making a bit of a comeback. I know the Mike Tyson thing was a one-off and again, that's entertainment Mm -hmm. versus boxing, but that really helped raise the profile again too, to get, to get Tyson and Jones back in there. But Anderson Silva, like I said, he's always been a showman. Jake Paul is, Jake Paul comes from the show business side, but he's trying to be an athlete. Anderson Silva was a world-class athlete. Now he's enjoying being a bit more of a showman. So it'll be an interesting clash. But I really think if Anderson wants to, I think this is the fight where Jake Paul uh, comes away licking his wounds and realizing maybe this, maybe I don't want to be uh, a world-class uh, mixed martial. I mean, he's talked about coming to the UFC as well. But maybe this is the fight that humbles him a little bit and makes him realize that, like they say, there's levels to this game. And and again, you fought, you 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 knocked out two wrestlers. Now you're now you're up against a world-class striker and. Dana White said it best, this is a real fight. If he passes this test, then Dana has to seriously consider uh, letting Conor McGregor box Jake Paul for the the biggest money fight in the history of combat sports.
1: It'll be fun to watch. Uh, Larry, as always, uh, love chatting with you, and we'll be getting UFHL now uh, up and running in the next little while because the rinks are going to be full very soon. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy tonight.
3: Thanks, Dean. And, and can't wait to get back to UFHL now in the insider role. Uh, a couple breaking trades uh, in the UFHL that haven't oh. been out there yet, the insider side. Uh, the Eliminators, Dean, it sounds like they made an announcement that they've acquired a player with SCO. It sounds like that player is going to be Jack Jacob Verana from West Coast Express. So another mm. big addition to the Eliminators. And the other one, Dean, uh, Scott Lowater last night said that the Yetis have made a move. I believe the Yeti's have acquired Sam Bennett from the North Stars. So the North Stars oh. flipping Sam Bennett is is a big deal. I think you're going to see and that that's a hockey deal. I think you're going to see three players going the other way, two young forwards and uh and uh, and a swap of defense as well, but uh definitely interesting that Sam Bennett could be going to the the Yeti's as one of the the favorites heading into this season in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League.
1: Great stuff, Larry. It uh it never ends. So we'll chat soon.
3: Sounds good, Dean.
1: There's Larry Fisher. Uh, he is the uh, head of hockey uh, for Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, uh, and uh, he is, oh, oversees a lot of scouting. Like I, I'm telling you, our league never sleeps. Uh, it's 24 hours a day. There's always stuff going on. And that leads us to fill in the blank. So today's fantasy fill in the blank is if you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy or just having fun? So fill in the blank there. If you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? Uh, by the way, Mooch has chimed in. Mooch has entered the building. He has chimed in on our... Um... Oh, he chimed in that Aaron Judge hit number 55 today. Where is Beavis, LOL. Yeah, we, we were mentioning that earlier. The The Yankees, and I haven't had a chance to uh, check back on the uh, scoreboard. The Yankees were losing, and then they had tied it up. The Dodgers are down 2-0. No, they're not. Justin Turner just hit a home run, a uh, three-run home run, and the Dodgers are now up. The Yankees, Twins, tied at 9 mid ninth. So, is uh, Judge going to come up with some late-game heroics? We'll see. Yankees uh, are at home, so they certainly uh, have the last at-bat. So we'll tell you, uh, we'll keep our eye on that, see if Aaron Judge helps out anybody else in fantasy, but If you don't blank, then are you really in a fantasy or are you just having fun? So if you don't make at least five off-season trades, are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? If you don't have an Excel spreadsheet with all of your players and your prospects and your draft picks, do you really even fantasy? If your chat group doesn't go 24 hours a day, do you really even fantasy or are you just having fun? All of our leagues are just stop. That's what makes it so great, is there's always somebody to chat with, make a trade with. And there's a crazy amount of trades going on in that league. I mean, fantasy is not the same after you play in a full 32 slash 30, whatever the the real league you're basing it on has, till you play in one of those full leagues and you're doing stuff every day that a real GM or coach does, you're just having fun. Arnie says, Larry dropping news bombs, breaking news from the UFHL Insider for sure. All right, one more uh, fill-in-the-blank. The fantasy football MVP this year will be, let us know. Who do you think the fantasy football MVP will be this season? You can hit us up in our message board on Twitch. Thank you to everybody for dropping in and chiming in today. You can also get on Twitter at Duck Millard. That's Duck M I L L A R D or at UFS Network. Lots of fun stuff to chat about uh, on Twitter. The fantasy football MVP this year will be fill in the blank. All right, we'll get back to that in a second. Oh, seven C's saying Justin Jefferson. Mooch chiming in right now with the fantasy football MVP. Alex, King Willie Gaming, Josh Allen again, that playoff loss last season has him fired up to dominate. The only reason I worry about Josh Allen is the expectations are so high. Arnie says if you don't willingly lose a couple of trades just to garner more trade chatter, then are you really fantasy or are you just having fun? I like that. Willingly lose trades just to get people talking about you. Now that is a dedicated fantasy attitude. So check those out. Keep chiming in on the message board. Uh, We will get right back to them, but let's get into our Dauber hockey uh, NHL team by team preview. We are going through these and uh, we are at the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, this is a Blackhawks roster. Larry said it earlier. There's not a lot of depth. I mean, the first, the, the top three fantasy stars was pretty flippin' easy with this team.
3: What are we? We
0: we're 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 not we're not still. Still. don't swear on this show.
1: But Patrick Kane, obviously, you know, he'd be a top three on almost every team. Still, Jonathan Taves. Look at the roster. He's their next best thing right now for, uh, you know, a guy that you think can consistently put up points. I don't know how many. Does he have a bounce back like he did during that bubble season? And Seth Jones is easily the defenseman. Philip uh, kuryshev if he's going to get bumped on that top line with Kane, he's the breakout player. And, oh, the sleeper you can't even see. Let me get this uh, ticker off. Uh, the sleeper for me is Caleb Jones. I'm going with Seth's brother. It's not a good team. It's like maybe the worst, like Chicago is in Arizona are battling for the worst teams this year. This depth chart, you know, Athenasiou could be a nice benefactor. I'm sure he gets traded. Like that whole top line could get traded. Domi, Tyler Johnson, Kurashev, I mean, that's a third line, fourth line on a lot of teams. And listen, I, I like the kid, but Jujar Kyra can't be your third-line center. Jujar Kaira, good player, but he's had some definite injury problems. Child, please. So, the only way these guys are getting into the playoffs, playoffs? is if they get traded. Oh, uh, Mooch says, if you don't randomly argue with Arnie on the message boards, do you really fantasy or are you just having fun? I like that. That's a good one, Mooch. I like that. And Arnie likes it too, because he laughed at it. So this is a Blackhawks team that, you know, past that first line, even. You know, in, in deep 30 team leagues, yeah, you're gonna grab some of these guys, obviously. But 10 or 12 team leagues you drafting like three Blackhawks. Maybe they're goalie because they're going to face so many shots. Not an exciting outlook for Blackhawk fans this year at all. So there's the Dauber Hockey preview. You can find that at DauberHockey.com. Check out their fantasy preview. It is excellent. Has a lot of great information. And there's what I'm looking at for the Blackhawks. Kane, Taves, Jones, pretty easy. Kurashev is the breakout guy Um, because everybody else, I'm not sure they're capable. Athanasio, I don't consider a breakout guy. Uh, Caleb Jones is the guy that I think could be a bit of a sleeper uh, on a team that, you know, you get a couple injuries, he gets bumped up into the second uh, pairing. Not good. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough, hard season in Chicago, you know, Maybe they have too many cats. Like, do you think it's possible that this Buffalo team just has too many cats? If you you don't know what I'm talking about, this is pretty funny. So 11 years ago today, Coastal Carolina football coach David Bennett had one of the most memorable... News conferences I've ever seen. It was like, I don't know if somebody spiked a drink or what the heck happened. But here it is one minute of glorious bizarreness.
4: Trying to get our two boys ready to carry them to the golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our door's open. Screens broke. We need to get a new screen door, but the screen's broke. So you can come in through the screen, but you can't get back out of it. I turn and look, there's a little kitty cat in our, in our kitchen. So I said, what are you doing in here, little kitty cat? By that time, eh, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. The cat starts going,
0: meow, meow,
4: all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, "It's the cat in the house? Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a the cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. Meow, meow, the cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs.
0: That's so bizarre. i still don't
1: even know what the hell he's talking about. And just obviously a cat got in his house and he's got some sort of trap. Weird. Larry says, end of an era in Chicago. No way Kane and Taves are re-signing there and can't imagine they are too excited to be reporting for training camp next weekend. They will be going through the motions, staying healthy until they get traded. It'll be interesting to Chicago's new rookie GM try and generate a bidding war for those two faces of the franchise before they walk for nothing. He didn't get much for DeBrincat, Dak, or Dylan Strom, obviously. Three big holes in that forward group already. Yeah, it's You need to cash in for that and then get Bernard. There, I can fix it. That's great. Be a dog, Larry says. It's still one of the weirdest things ever. All right. uh, We've got a little bit of time left on the show. Uh, Let's get to grab and stash. This is uh, a number of football players that you should be eyeing up to help you this season. So uh, are these guys, obviously these guys aren't going to be the, uh, the way you absolutely win, but they can help you win or else you would have drafted them um, in, your, in your upcoming draft. So the first guy uh, on this list that I'm going to talk about is Zay Jones. And he might have got drafted depending on how deep your uh, league is, but it's, it's, this, this, is a, this is a perfect example. He's not the lead guy. That's Christian Kirk in Jacksonville. But tell me who Jacksonville's number two receiver is. Lots of chemistry with uh, Trevor Lawrence, apparently. The Jaguars averaged the 11th most passing attempts per game last year. They start against Washington, who gave up the 4th most passing yards per game. Now, the first game might not be the whole story, but still a guy to grab. And, uh, you know, you might want to start him in in that first game, but certainly to watch down the road. All right, another receiver. This time, the Chargers, Joshua Palmer. Looks like he could be the third receiver in that amazing offense. So not only if you have Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, it's it's a good backup, but also that number three guy is going to face really soft matchups. So I would check that out. Stash, Mr. Palmer. Johan Dotson, or Jahan Dotson. This guy is another guy who might not be available. He's, he's uh, on over 20% of the rosters already. But if he's free, you should pick him up. In week one of the preseason, he played a 100 percent of the snaps that Carson Wentz was involved in, and ran a route on 100 percent of his dropbacks. He rested with the starters in week three. He's the number two guy for Washington. He was the 16th overall pick, Good production, 21 touchdowns in 21 games in his final two seasons check this guy out right now if you're out there. Eno Benjamin running back in Arizona. I don't know who's going to be the the backup for James Conner. Benjamin looks like he has the uh the the spot. And think about this. The most amount of games James Conner has ever played in a season is 15. He's been good, but he's been injury prone. So Benjamin's going to get in there if he is indeed the number two guy. Do a little bit of research, but not owned by a lot of rosters. Braxton Barrios. Everybody wants to know who the surprise guy is going to be? Maybe it's this guy with the Jets. It's going to be Joe Flacco throwing in the ball right off the bat. But he's increased his targets in the last couple of seasons. And maybe he gets on an early roll with Flacco. Or he's a guy that doesn't get anything, and then Zach Wilson comes back, and he becomes a guy. So a bit of a deeper stash guy. You know, you got to have a lot of room, I think, uh, in, in that regard. Jeff Wilson Jr. is a running back in uh, San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan, turbulence. Uh, That's what people call it uh, when, when it comes to San Francisco running backs. You get sucked into the vortex of Shanahan, and you have no idea what to do. Jeff Wilson is not a number one running back, but... With the amount of injuries that are going to happen and the chaos in San Francisco, he's going to get some time. So this is a definite matchup guy that you're going to look at some point and say, okay, uh, this is the time for we do it. And, and he might be available all the time. Uh, the last guy, KJ Osborne, uh, with the Vikings, new coach in Kevin O'Donnell. Three wide receiver sets are very popular with this man when he was with the Rams. So KJ Osborne could be a guy sliding under the radar. O'Connell with the Rams had an offense that ranked 14th and first in 11 personnel groupings. The Vikings were not good, 20, 32 and 28th, so possibly, again, not telling you that these guys are going to be frontline starters, but guys that at some point during the season could come in and be pretty valuable for you. So grab and stash those guys. All right. Lastly, before we go, have to talk about this incredible night from Chelsea Gray. Like the the social media that was going on uh, with Chelsea Gray last night. I was I was hooked. I couldn't get enough of it. Chelsea Gray averaged 23.8 points on 76% true shooting in the playoffs. No professional basketball player, NBA or WNBA, has ever scored that well in any postseason. It was incredible. She was knocking stuff down. And one series wrapped up, and another has a game five. And that has an impact on the uh, Ultimate French, Ultimate Fantasy Women's Basketball Association. Uh, the Aurora got a huge performance from Asia Wilson, 46 points. And their biggest night from Courtney Williams and Odyssey Sims in the second round. The Sparrows in this matchup obviously got some balanced output, though. Candace Parker, Sue Bird, uh, Courtney Vandersloot. They remain a 515.5 to 465 lead heading into the final game Thursday. The, the Bull City Blazers got the biggest night of the playoffs yet thanks to Chelsea Gray. Uh, also, DeWanna Bonner and Brianna Stewart uh, and Jewel Lloyd. A total of 195 and a half fantasy points from those four alone. They now lead the Diamond Arrows, 815, 663 and a half. It's going to be tough for the Arrows. They need uh, Junkwell Jones, Azura Stevens, Alyssa Thomas, Kalia Cooper, Brianna Jones to outscore the Blazers, Bronner, Gabby Williams, Julie Alamond, and Dana Evans by a whopping 151.5 points. Game five is Thursday, September 8th. Who will be joining? in the first ever UFWBA Finals. One is wrapped up, and one is over. All right, uh, finally, we need to get to our top shelf fantasy performers. Actually, you know what? I don't think I have that graphic. I'll just tell you, uh, Max Muncie had a massive night Uh, Max Muncy for the Dodgers uh, crushed a couple of home runs last night. It was uh, very, very impressive. Uh, Puts up 19 points uh, for the Dodgers in Major League Baseball and Circus Sports Trout in UFLB. Muncy had a couple of home runs. He's starting to heat up. Same with Justin Turner. They're getting better. So uh, if you're looking at guys in the UFLB, they're going to help you in the playoffs. These are the guys, Muncie, Turner, obviously the the uh, familiar faces. Randall Grichuk had 17 points for the Black Bears. He also had uh, two home runs. And on the pitching side, Logan Gilbert of uh, Seattle and uh, Central came in at 18.5 points. Quality start win, 9 Ks. Aaron Nola of the Defenders and the uh, Phillies had 16.5. He had 10 strikeouts. Framber Valdez had 11 strikeouts last night as well. What does Bo Bo Bichette do for an encore tonight Uh, and uh, for the rest of the way? We'll have to uh, tune in to find out. In our games to watch, Jays Baltimore should be a lot of fun. I'll definitely be checking out this Dodgers. Uh, Kershaw on the mound. How can you not want to watch Clayton Kershaw? He's a legend. Anyway, tomorrow, Mike McKenna is going to join us. Also, Andy McNamara. Mike McKenna, daily face off. Andy McNamara, UFFS, uh, head of football. And on Friday... It looks like we'll have Mike Wilner, former Blue Jays, voice. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great rest of the week set up. Thank you so much uh, to Larry Fisher from UFF Sports for joining us and Matt Beauvais uh, out of Buffalo to tee up the Buffalo Bills. Have yourself a wonderful Wednesday evening. and Make sure it's safe. Uh, I want everybody to be able to return to this show tomorrow. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care and have a great week evening. Goodbye for now on UFSD. Thanks now.
0: Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.